Hello, hello, everyone. My name is John Edwards. With me, as always, is Zeke Baker. And together, we make the Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. Say hello to the folks, Zeke. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, 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 howdy. No, it was just two. Just two? How you been? It's been a minute. It was more Southern than a, a song or rap reference, John. There's a difference. Was that a, in a rap song? Howdy, 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 oh. Or no, it was Cap Cal or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't I rap. I feel like somebody probably did something with it. If not, they need to sample it. There we go. How you been? It's been a minute since we've got to sit down and actually record together. Yeah, I'd say we've both been uh, rather busy. Uh, our, our kids are rather busy uh, not sleeping, which uh, inherently means you or I are not busy doing anything bourbon-related or getting together. And there is nothing wrong with taking care of our kids because they come first. I mean, that that's how it's been all along. If you guys follow us on Instagram, if you guys see anything that's going on, uh, anytime we record, it is after the kids go to bed. Spending time with our kids and doing stuff with our kids is our main priority in life. And this is just a second afterthought. So sometimes we have to take a step away and we thank you guys for understanding that. And then even, you know, this past weekend, we would have had free time, but, you know, some folks were in town, and that obviously trumped your eye. Uh, I know, but know, it was Sliding good... off to the side and, and being a, what's the word? Uh, I don't know. Not, non-social? But it was. <laughs> now, peeling back the curtain, I did see you. Our kids did play together. Yeah. Uh, I will say that my daughter loves playing with your son, because he always has construction equipment. And he has this, like, ride-on crane that my daughter couldn't get enough of. And they were picking up ping-pong balls with the little thing running around doing all that stuff. <laughs> so it was uh, – we, we celebrated – I crashed Zeke's family celebration of his, his birthday. And, <laughs> and uh, we, we all got to hang out and spend some time together. So that was good. So there are things that we are doing that are not bourbon related. So uh, thank you guys for, again, for understanding. And a happy early birthday to Zeke. We will do something uh, We'll do something good. But by the time this comes, well, this will come out. Actually, happy birthday this week yeah. to Zeke. Well, so this will come out tomorrow, I would assume. Yeah, this is going to come out tomorrow. And then we will have your birthday the next day. There we go. So happy early birthday, buddy. Cheers. I know. That mustache gets longer and longer uh, every day, too. I'll tell you what. When we were at Jack, this thing kept my lip nice and warm, and it didn't quiver at all in those cold little rickhouses. Well, what I want to know is, can you blow out the candles on your cake? Like, does does the wind from your mouth go past that mustache, or does it block it all? Oh, I'll let the boy do it. <laughs> you, you, you were here. You saw him. He, he, he did pretty good, too. I think it's his first time we blowing out candles. He just... Woof. I like how he did it before everybody started singing and then we had to relight him because he just he gets excited. He, he was very excited. <laughs> he was super excited to blow out the candles. But happy birthday to Zeke. In honor of Zeke's birthday, if you reach out, the first three people to reach out to Zeke and say happy birthday after listening to this, we will send you a sample of something. We don't know what it is. It'll probably be something that we're tasting that we have uh, that a distillery has sent us that we have some extra of. We won't let you know what it is. It might be something you really like. It might be something you haven't had. But we will send you something out of our goodie bag for the first three people that mention happy birthday 
to Wade Boggs over here. <laughs> so that being said, what we are drinking today, we are we are going through the cabinet. Essentially, we have a lot of stuff that for whatever reason last year, you know, when we took some time off and, and distillery sent us stuff, I always wanted to make sure that we waited for Zeke to come back because him and I were recording together. Uh, some of you would prefer if it was just him, but <laughs> him and I recording together is what we do. So I was waiting for Zeke to come back to actually have those. So they were sitting in the cabinet and we're trying to go through the cabinet and get back to some of the things, clean it out, start fresh for 2019, which is probably going to take us into February at some time. And we will probably release some bonus episodes. But today we have a sample of Cream of Kentucky, which was given to us by both of our friend Daryl Jenkins, a fellow Whiskey House member. This is Jim Rutledge's new project. It is an NDP uh, for Cream of Kentucky, but he is resurrecting an old brand. This is 11 and a half years old, 102 proof, 51% ABV. There's only 9,000 bottles of this that have been released out of Kentucky, Illinois, Indiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Washington, D.C., Colorado, and California. They go for 150, but I have seen some in Indiana for 130. Price is going to kind of vary around that 130 to 150 point. But, Zeke, you looked like you had a question. Oh, I was just perplexed at the market distribution for this. Uh, very all over the map, so to speak. And then also uh, a trend neither one of us are ever thrilled with is uh, no love for Tennessee, even though we're uh, a 45-minute ride away. And I wonder if sometimes that's what it is, is that we are a 45-minute ride away, so they think if you really want it, you'll drive 45 minutes up the road. Well, then you're hindering all the retailers because you're sending business elsewhere. I agree. I mean, I think you and I both talk about it. Nashville is a, a whiskey mecca that people need to start realizing more and more when they're doing releases. I think a lot are. And if you think about it, uh, I mean, shoot, Nashville even has multiple whiskey podcasts in in the city. I mean, and we have multiple whiskey societies and... A lot of the people come down to Nashville, if you think of how many distilleries we have. So send more releases to Nashville, is what Zeke is saying. For sure. Especially us. For <laughs> sure. <laughs> so only 9,000 bottles of this, which are higher than some of the other ones we've had, like the Snowflake, uh, some of the pin hooks we've had. 9,000 bottles is still less than Al Young was 10,000. Yeah, it's so, close to that Four Roses limited edition mark, which you would come in around 10,000. And I, I feel like I read somewhere that they'd gone in and purchased barrels, and then based on the demand and, and so many were pre-ordered, they went back and bought more and expanded the release. The pre-ordering thing is the, the most interesting part of this release because – they allowed people to pre-order them, and it had such a good following. It's exactly what you just said, Zeke, that they went back and had to do more, and they went, oh, crap, this is going to do better than we thought it was. Yeah, and we'll circle back to it you know, as part of the tasting, but uh, there's quite a large following out there that you know loved Jim Rutledge, Four Roses, especially the single barrels and, and things of that nature. 
And, you know, when you have a following like that, you know, inherently people want to support you. And, you know, anyone that keeps up with the bourbon media side of thing, I'm sure has read that for a few years now, you know, he's been trying to get a new project going and, you know, hit a few bumps and this and that. But working to do it the right way in a nutshell and, and this was the next progression as far as, you know, where they wanted to take things. And I know he's done some consulting in the interim and, and you know, he, he hasn't stepped away completely, but he's really wanted to get his own project going. And I mean, a great way to do it, especially when you're respected the way he is, resurrecting an old brand, bringing something back. We had that earlier and and as Zeke and I were talking before this episode, we, we don't want to confuse this with King of Kentucky because that is two separate releases. One is coming from the, the Jim Rutledge's distillery. The other one is coming from Brown Foreman. Uh, so Cream of Kentucky is Rutledge. King of Kentucky is Brown Foreman. Another interesting thing on this one is that the age is 11 and a half years. So it's not saying it's a, a 12 year. It's not saying it's an 11 year. It's an 11 and a half year. I like it. It's quirky. Why not? I've never seen anything do that, though. So it's it's Jim Rutledge breaking ground with a first <laughs> for what I've seen. I, I do like it. It sets it apart, right? Yeah. Why not? Be do something a little quirky. What did you think... Before we get into the taste, the the packaging on this one, you know, it is a white label on the bottle. It's not a thin like a BTAC. It's it's a little bit thicker of a, a bottle, kind of more akin to like a Parker's Heritage bottle. Um, the only thing that really kind of caught me off guard was from what I've seen of the original Cream of Kentucky releases. They were completely different. You know, had, most of them had the heart with the, you know, the air going through it and some other detailing. And I think it changed over the years. So I think it's it's nice to see the name brought back. But I think anybody that was around and, and drinking cream of Kentucky then, they wouldn't just instantly see it on the shelf and have one of those moments of, oh, I hadn't seen that in a long time. Like, what's this? I, I think that would almost draw more people to it and and lend yourself some favors by, you know, piggybacking off of that you know known you know visually attractive label a hundred percent so go through we we were sampling this as we've been talking uh, that's why i try to talk a little bit more sometimes to give you time to nose and taste but as we've been going through this what do you think laughably the first thing i thought about was it somewhat reminds me of king of kentucky in a much tamer form one of the things that just kind of stood out to me and did with that release as well is there's is, it's not two profiles, so to speak, but the alcohol portion, it just doesn't seem to be perfectly, I guess, integrated or mingled with the actual juice. I and mean, it still comes off, um, you know, like a mouthwash, Listerine, something else where you, you just feel the alcohol. I mean, whereas, um, you know, we drink a fair amount of, of high proof stuff. Um, or cash strength for there's no water and especially if, if both those having such an age to them I feel like it, it would just be more unity I guess for lack of a better word unity <laughs> I knew that was coming <laughs> sorry <laughs> no I, I said I was like ah oh, that's gonna get some some one liners out but but no it just I, I mean we can go full notes or, or you can we can no, ramble go, back to it no let's go full notes it's okay alright so nose wise uh I, like a hazelnut, 
mocha, candied pecan, maybe maple syrup. At some point, I really started just seeing a cocktail with egg whites in it. And then I really don't know what that is. I just kept seeing it as I nosed it. And then I thought, well, maybe it's my brain kind of reverting into like an eggnog type profile. Depending on, you know, whose eggnog it is or how they made it. Especially that kind of hazelnut, maybe a little nutmeg, cinnamon, whole array of, you know, flavors in there. Also reminded me of some of the Maker's 46. Or not the 46, the um, uh, stave selection thing, you know? Yes. I mean, obviously those have a lot of range depending on what staves and how many are in there. Um, but definitely some of those that had that, you know, CeraVe, French, all that l- line of thought. I mean, you were half right because the private select is Maker's 46 with different staves in it. So oh. it seemed- well, thought- <laughs> Either way. <laughs> but but no, depending on, you know, if you've had those and again, really what was in them and how they did them, um, I think you'll see a strong resemblance, especially on the nose. Palette-wise, uh, Really, a, just a very mild, light singe at the front. Um, not off-putting by any means, but, you know, you're getting something that, that's got a, a little bit of, a, you know, proof to it, a little heat. The oak presence kind of moved in and was noticeable. It, it wasn't overly thick, which I kind of laughed just because the name was, you know, Cream of Kentucky. Obviously, that doesn't mean a whole lot, but I didn't think it was too uh, heavy on the cream side. And then the strangest thing I got was some weird singe at the very back. And that, that's what was really almost, you know, off-putting to me was the very end, not going down or into a hug, but just the very back of the tongue just left this weird prickly singe, literally like, you know, gargling, just alcoholy mouthwash or something. Maybe we should go here at the end, but when you have a name like Crema Kentucky, should you go out of your way to make a creamy bourbon? No, I don't think so. I, I just laughed in my own head of... Cream of Kentucky, huh? Or am I just thinking that too <laughs> literally? Am no. I, but, but I agree with you. The The first thing to hit on well, on the nose, I got pepper, cinnamon, and nutmeg. There was some definite spice in there, but a little bit of black pepper I got, which I don't think you got. And then I got some fruit in there, some citrus and cherries. It wasn't uh, – I didn't get eggnog, but I, I definitely got that cinnamon nutmeg point of it and I could see where you would go there. The taste it was very light pepper and spice was the first thing just like you you said it moved into butterscotch caramel almost like a lukewarm candy to me. The oak was noticeable and then you wrote down not too thick and as you were talking I also wrote down but not too thin <laughs> and, and that's I agree with you that it wasn't thick but it also wasn't super thin. I wasn't having it going, oh man, this is like 90 proof stuff. But it definitely wasn't, it didn't taste like a 102 to me. It, it, it wasn't like an over 100 or a bottle to bond or above. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't that spicy to me. It drank like it had less proof. Which isn't always a bad thing, right? When I no. say that, it's I think it's a sign of of a good job to make sure that it's not overly hot for the proof that it's at. The finish, I got a dry oak pepper that lingered with a slight warmth in the chest, but nothing like a big hug. It just yeah. I knew it was there. It was like a, a a very light 
pat on the back to somebody that you don't remember their name and you're like <laughs> hey you oh, like, a, good to see you you've been stepping up your, your your analogy reference game while I've been out John it's <laughs> good on that that was good man I, I didn't even have that written down because I didn't want you to cheat look oh. down but it was in my head the whole no, time no that's funny and uh, definitely, you know, not knocking it saying super thin. I think just the psychological factor of the name and seeing the word cream, you know, it is what it is. The not that big of a deal or significant. Um, I am kind of surprised you got a, a a hug going down to a bit because to me it was literally just the back of the tongue and that was it. But it was really prickly. I mean, it, I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't a hug. It was just like a a slight warmth. It was like you know, here's another one. Like coffee's been out. For an hour, it's not cold yet. It's not even lukewarm yet. It's just a little bit warm. It's probably uh, lost about, you know, it's at sixty percent warmth. It's not enough that it's going to burn your tongue, but it's uh, it just kind of it was there. Like I could feel it going down, but it wasn't spreading. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Yeah, I get it. It was there. Like, I'm like, oh, I, I'm no, noticing the, that the, in my the, chest. The bottom quarter of a hot toddy when you're trying to get over a sore throat or a cold. Exactly. Might need a little bit of microwave nuking again. <laughs> but but then you're like, why am I going to microwave it for just that little amount? I might as well just fill up my glass again. There's always that side of things, too. <laughs> so, so for 150 to 130... Or 130 to 150. Well, I think some places are probably going to be closer to 200. I mean, we saw this just week. There was one. Somebody put a picture up for 169.99 on a shelf. Or you might not have seen yeah. it. but I, I didn't see that one. Oh. Uh, but um, so I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if people saw this from anywhere from, you know, up to 200 at, you know, retailers just based on, you know, other trends and things. Based on other releases and the, the nature of it and the size, is it a fair price? I would say what the market says and if anybody does that kind of research yeah that's about where you price something that's that many bottles in that age and that type of release do, I, do think, I like it or am I always going to pay it well that's a different coin but well and I think that's a thing where, where sometimes we get sometimes people might think we're being negative on a price and there's nothing wrong with the distillery or the distiller for charging, you know, and ultimately the distributor, which is what it comes down to for that price. Yeah. We are consumers first and foremost. Do we like the price? No. Yeah. Does that mean we're being negative on like, do I think this is a good whiskey? Yes. Is this something I would pay $150 for? No. Would I bottle share this or have it at a bar? Yes. That's kind of what I think what people have to understand is, is as the distilleries are moving and they are going up and up in price, saying something is a bottle share bottle is not being negative. I think in this day and age, and especially the way the whiskey community is and the whiskey climate is, people getting together and trying a bottle and everybody pitching in money is not being negative. It's saying, have a good night with your friends. Everybody pitch in and drink the bottle. Well, and you know, it's just such a, a safer hedge even of, hey, if I really love it and I have the means and I I'm, and I can't find it on the shelf, you know, buy one on secondary if it's that enjoyable. But I wouldn't want to go that route 
and then pop it and be like, what the hell am I going to do with the other 24 ounces of this? You know, <laughs> it's going to sit in, the, it's going to sit in the cabinet um, until people come over. But I mean, yeah, we, we complain as consumers and you know, that's just part of the nature of things is nobody wants to pay more and more money for things. But I feel like even outside of the distillery, if they just paid a, a marketing firm to say, Hey, what, what's the, what's the market going to hold as far as a price on this product? They're going to come back at least a hundred bucks, if not one fifty or a little north of that, and that—that's where bourbon is now. Well, and it's funny. Shout out to to one of our friends who we are in a whiskey group with, but also is on the podcast, uh, Joe Bourbon. He is a firm believer of three seven fives for everything. So if you talk to Joe B, he wants a three seven five for every single release. I think that's a longer conversation that we don't necessarily have to go in, but that that 9,000 bottles becomes 18,000 bottles and that $150 might be 75. Well, and then also, at least for this release, you've got to look at it and think, the you know, kind of like circling back to where we talked about Rutledge and having the following. People know a fair portion of the, the profits this are going into that distillery they're trying to get up, you know, helping him achieve this goal. So I think in, in that light, a lot of people would be less likely to complain on something like this, especially if they view it as somewhat of a, you know, a Kickstarter or a charitable donation type thing of, Hey, we know this isn't just going to line people's pockets. It's going for a better good. Totally agree with you. And I think when you know that I know I, for one, am more apt to spend the money in those cases, knowing that it is a craft distillery getting started or it's somebody who has a reputation that you almost wonder, or not almost wonder, you almost think he's earned that. <laughs> he's earned that ability to be given the shot. And by no means is this a bad whiskey. I don't have this and go, oh my God, that was awful. I, I'm still a bar or bottle share on this, but I can totally see wanting to support Jim Rutledge and, and make sure he gets going. Yeah. I mean, do you concur? Definitely. And they'll, they'll sell out. And again, I mean, it's Barton juice, 11 and a half years. You have a good idea of what you're getting yourself into when you go there. And then also you got to figure if, if they're selling off the barrels, they knew what they were worth, quote unquote, inherently. You know, nobody's going to give away their prized pig to somebody, no matter how good a friend they are or how much they want to help them. So I think you just need to set a set a certain bar going into it of, of what am I expecting to taste here. Did you just say no one's going to give away their prized pig? Yeah. Man, that's a good one. I like that one. <laughs> I wouldn't give away my prized pig to anyone. I'd be hanging out with it. <laughs> I thought you'd been trying to give away your prized pig. No. What's, what's that? What's my prize pig? Or is that an off-air conversation? So anyways, end of the day, fully support Jim. This is some good stuff. If this is what he's doing, if this is what he made Barton taste like too, because you know typically the, the Bartons I like are going to be the high rye or the foolproof, this is very, very good. He, he's taken their product and, and made it better, in my, in my opinion. 
For me, it is a bar for sure. I, I wouldn't tell anyone not to try it if they have the opportunity to, but at the price point, especially this time of year, everybody's usually pretty tight. Taxes and whatnot just got over Christmas. Again, maybe be slightly cautious before just jumping into buying one. Totally agree. We are on the same page. This one is a bar or bottle share across the board, which does not happen too often. Also, Zeke and I don't always get together as much as we used to, so thank you guys again for being understanding of that. One thing I haven't had a chance to do yet is congratulate Zeke. He did a little project with our buddy Tarak down at Elixir Spirits, and it was a Delord Armagnac. It is extremely tasty, and Zeke knocked this one out of the park, so I like to give credit where credit is due. Great job, Zeke, and we're all proud of you. Thank you, thank you. Hopefully, uh, if anyone's listening that got in on that, you should have received it by now. Crack it open. Let me know what you think. Uh, and post pictures of it. Tag us in it. We want to see that you all were drinking it. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Also, join our Facebook group, Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Guys, pay attention in Q1. We have some other things that we are working on. There's a Jack Daniels that uh, Zeke just picked with Prav Saraf. There is a couple of uh, Russell's Reserve picks that we might be going on in addition to, you know, the, the stable of Four Roses if we get invited from our friends and all sorts of things like that. So stay tuned. We will be involved in a bunch of picks this year. Also, find us on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us why you like us. You can find us on all your favorite podcast apps. Zeke, where else can the folks find us? Well, they can usually find us in Nashville, but my parting shot tonight or today will be um, don't sleep on JD. I'm telling you, I think you can hang with stags. We picked one with the Whiskey House that is one of the best whiskeys I think I had in 2018. It won't be released until 2019, but... That was a damn, damn, damn good pick. Mm -hmm. The the one that was picked Friday, I think, will be right there neck and neck with it. Um, Really good juice at at under six years. I think the difference is craziness when you get the JD barrel proofs opposed to the JD single barrels that are not barrel proof. There is a distinct difference between those regular ones and the barrel proof ones. Man, crazy. Cheers. Ciao.